is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture and Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome in to a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports. If you would, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already here on the Baylor Bears on Sikkim365 channel. I'm Craig Smoke, joined as always by Grayson Grundhafer. And we've got, uh, well, one big announcement to talk about when it comes to Baylor football on the show today. Coming down just a little while ago from Dave Aranda. We have some news on the starting quarterback position, but we will get into that first things first. Uh, Grayson, how are we doing this week, man? Yeah, I mean, good week. Uh, continues to be a very eventful week, I would say. And we got, you know, it got so much more eventful today. Uh, Dave Randa's kind of random press conference that we didn't really know much about, but mm-hmm. it popped up today. So that was fun. Obviously, to hear about football is always a good time. And recruiting just continues to push forward. Spring sports kind of coming to an end, which is unfortunate. But yeah, in general, I mean, it, it's been an eventful week. That's for sure. Plenty of news. Yeah, definitely, and uh, Garrett Ross behind the scenes as well. Got Graham, got Jack, uh, full house today uh, behind the scenes, and it, it was very random, the press conference that we attended just a little while ago. Uh, we'll get into that to start things off with and some pieces of news, including, as I mentioned, the big one with the starting quarterback spot. And then I guess we can kind of uh, round up some of the recruiting stuff and also uh, touch on the end of some spring sports and just kind of what's still out there remaining. I mean, we're in the waning days now. Like, this is the end of the spring semester for the most part. I mean, there's, what, a couple sports still standing at this point. Uh, So we'll kind of touch on that. But we are starting to get into those stages of just, you know, a little bit of a calm before the storm here in about six weeks, I'd say, when uh, media days will kick off and uh, we'll really start to feel like we're starting to turn that corner into football. But let's get into the big news today. And uh, the reason... Uh, that we did have this press conference that was called just 24 hours or so ago. Got a random email. We hadn't, you know, had any interactions with Baylor football uh, media-wise since the spring game, which was, what, five or so weeks ago uh, at this point. And got an email yesterday just very randomly of, hey, there's going to be a press conference or, a you know, a media session is, is just what it was. It wasn't a, a press conference really. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a media availability with Dave Aranda and, you know, more of a post-spring, pre-summer type of thing. And as Aranda would describe it, you know, to us uh, just a little while ago, they're about to start hitting the road. And, you know, they're not just hitting the road to go and recruit and do things like that. Like here pretty soon he's going to go on his Texas tour and, you know, the speaking tours and, you know, clinics and things like that. And so there's going to be a lot of questions getting asked and, you know, what's the biggest question surrounding Baylor football over the last several months? It's the starting quarterback spot. So I think that's why the press conference was called, was basically to get that out there. I don't know about you if you feel the same way on that. Uh, But regardless, we were able to pepper him with some other questions as well. Uh, But the big piece of news was that they do have a decision on the starting quarterback, and it is Blake Shapin that will be starting the 2023 season for the Bears, uh, following up on being the starter last year uh, after getting a little taste of it 
in 2021 uh, when Gary Bohannon went down injured. We know the story. Shaping comes in, plays, what, three games? Texas Tech, uh, the Big 12 title. Or was it just two games? Two, two games. Yeah. But he had played in the K-State, K-State game. the second half. Yeah. yeah. So he basically came in and played like the almost the final three or four games Two and a half of the final four games. Wins the starting job last year over Bohannon. Bohannon transfers. They bring in Sawyer Robertson this offseason. He and Blake compete throughout the spring. And then we get to the end and there was no decision. And we were kind of wondering. We were talking about like, well, is he just not going to name anybody? Uh, But uh, then we have the the situation today. So Blake Shapin, starting quarterback. It's now official per Dave Aranda. And everybody can kind of start to, you know, view next year how they want but how do you view that decision how do you uh react uh you know after what you heard earlier today well as we talked about i felt like this decision was made after spring football and the simple fact of the matter is it was made after spring football and dave random mentioned that he said it took him a week before they had that conversation with blake shapin and sora robertson they just didn't announce it publicly and this was their opportunity to do that I think but it was surprising to me that they didn't because everything I had seen everything I had heard everything I had reported on all led to the same direction which was Blake Shapin was the better quarterback throughout spring football but in the spring game Sora Robertson had a very good day and that's just kind of how things were uh, throughout this whole process I felt like as we kind of moved away from the spring game everyone felt like there's no way they can announce a starting quarterback now. Like, why would they do that? But at the end of the day, they did internally. And they made this decision because of, in my eyes, the improvements of Blake Shapin as far as his ability to be a true leader for this football team. That was something Dave Randa mentioned specifically. Leadership went into this decision. Uh, It played into it massively. And so I think that improvement, along with just Blake Shapin's consistency, which was another thing that was addressed in the press conference. Um, But yeah, I think in general, they were ready to make this decision. I think the staff felt really comfortable with what Blake had shown throughout all of spring practices. And then on the flip side, I think they were very happy with the improvements of Sora Robertson, how much better he had gotten from the first couple days to where he was at at the end of spring football. And now they're hoping he continues to improve. And by all accounts, he's been great receiving this message and been great just kind of um, understanding that right now he's the second string guy. But, you know, a couple months from now, when the games actually start being played, he needs to be ready. Because at the end of the day, Baylor hasn't really had quarterbacks that make it through a full season. Uh, Most colleges don't. It usually takes a toll on the body, and eventually you're going to have to play your backup uh, at least a little bit. And so Sora will be ready. I have no doubts about that. But right now, this is Blake's team. Yep, it's officially Blake Shapin's team, and that's part of the decision as well is to let the team kind of know, like, hey, he's the dude too. Uh, And and Aranda kind of referenced that of, you know, now they can sort of rally around him more so than maybe they were before. Not that they weren't, but, you know, like now, like they know he's the guy, here's the guy we're following, here's the guy who's going to, you know, be the be the, the one pulling the trigger for us and calling the shots and doing all of that. So Blake Shapin, starting quarterback officially, and uh, you touched on a couple of things he said about Sawyer Robertson. You know, he's just he's got to be more consi- – and it wasn't even like a criticism. It was just like, no, it's just, you know, he's going to continue to grow. He's going to get better at this, and, you know, he's going to become more consistent and just get sharper about the game. And we know there's a little bit of a learning curve coming from the Mike Leach air raid to – Uh, the RBO and just, you know, the adjustments there. So, you know, like this is not a surprise (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. And I actually saw a couple of comments afterwards of 
like Sawyer Robertson intends to stay at Baylor. Well, of course he does. Like he wasn't going to go anywhere. He just transferred. Like I mean, even if he, you know, thought he was going to win the starting job, like there was little to no chance he was going to transfer again because that would just be too problematic for him. And so he'd be sitting out another year, right? Regardless, he might as well yeah, have a chance. Like that was uh, that was pretty much a given that he was going to be here no matter what. But just to calm any or calm any fears, I guess that might have been out there. Yeah, like he's he's fine. He's he knows the deal. He knew the deal back in spring, and you could tell when he talked about it that he he knew the deal and. I mean, when he talked about it in spring, I felt like he was a guy who kind of figured he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback and was letting it be known, like, I'd like to be, but if I'm not, I'm totally cool with that, and it's not a big deal. So uh, he's fine. No worries there. Uh, R.J. Martinez, you know, in the fold as well as the quarterback, uh, you know, three, and they're all set up now. Uh, I mean, with uh, all of the T's crossed and I's dotted for the most part. So there is a major decision that we were all waiting on, and we're starting to wonder, like, will it be closer to fall camp? What are they going to do? Uh, but now we know, and knowing is half the battle, as G.I. Joe used to say back in the uh, day in the cartoon show. Uh, some of y'all will love that. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Garrett, I respect I, it. Yep, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Garrett knows. That's what's up. Jack, a thumbs up from him as well. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that was good to get. And uh, you can kind of tell, too, when, okay, the press conference was called. It was so random because they don't ever do an end of spring, like let's wrap pre-summer thing. Right. Uh, but then, you know, Aranda comes into the bank, uh, the Beecham Athletic Nutrition Center there, and by the way, like the indoor facility, they've started to lengthen it now, and it's going to be very interesting to see that when it's all done because it really butts up against the the bank. I don't know if you noticed that. Like it's pretty close, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely it, you know they've added the yardage to it now, and it's it's really interesting to see how much larger it looks, uh, and that's coming along uh, quite nicely. But you know, so Aranda had that as kind of his backdrop, um, and you know he's sitting there talking. And he he kind of does his, like a little intro, and he's like. He knows what, like, everybody was there for, and I think we all knew what we were there for. Like, why else are we here other than to talk about the starting yeah. quarterback? So, like, we just kind of eased into it and, like, well, Dave, what's the quarterback? Like, well, anything on the quarterback? And, like, boom, here we go, and, and we all got the answer we were looking for. Yeah, and immediately he started talking, and at the very end of his opening, you know, speech, he goes, you know, I'm about to go on this Texas tour, and I want to make sure that, you know, information's going to come out while I'm on it. I want to make sure I give you all the opportunity first. Right when he said that, I was like, oh, oh, this guy knows who the yeah. starting quarterback is, and he knows it's about to be the first question, too, from John Warner up front. Yeah. Um, and he answered it truthfully. I felt like he went in depth with it. I, And honestly, I respect it, because he said they were going to name the starter, essentially, after the spring. I'm glad that he kind of stuck to that, because to me, that just signifies that there's confidence in Blake Shapin. And whether you have an opinion that is, you know, against that, I know a lot of people do. A lot of people don't think that Blake Shapin should have been named the starter. They think the timing was off. They don't think he's particularly good. Um, After last season, I understand that there are some concerns. But I think at the end of the day, Sean Bell... Jeff Grimes, Dave Randa, they all saw what they needed to, and they were confident enough to make this decision right after spring football, uh, which I, I think is very telling. Yeah, and and I think, too, to be fair, you know, if it was up to some people, you know, Jacob Zeno would have been a starting quarterback at one point in time, and, you know, uh, Sawyer Robertson would be the starting quarterback now, and Kyron Drones would have been starting quarterback, and guess what? That all probably wouldn't have worked very well, and we see how it's kind of worked out in some ways, and that's not a knock on those guys, but it's just like, 
you know, fan demand is not always the right answer, and sometimes you do have to be patient, and sometimes you do have to wait on a guy to gel a bit more or, you know, just uh, improve a bit more. And I think Sawyer Robertson, like we forget, he's still a young guy. Like, I don't think you just want to throw him to the wolves just for the sake of throwing him to the wolves because you're not quite satisfied with Blake. I mean, it's easy as fans or media to just do that on a whim in our heads, but, you know, you've got to be far more calculated and, I don't think, you know, many are, are thinking things through you know, into the level of a Dave Aranda. So I think he, you know, kind of knew the deal, but took some time, figured it out. And uh, I like where things are. I like that they've got this out there. And I like that we kind of just know the deal now for sure. And uh, we can all move forward to, uh, you know, get some other questions answered. And there were some other things that were talked about. I mean, for one, uh, Garmin Randolph. Uh, his suspension is continuing on from back during uh, the spring. Uh, what was it? Got the uh, was the DWI or, or was it? I uh, forget what it was um, that he got a situation that he got into, but uh, got in trouble during the spring, got suspended, and was not taking part. He had the injury as well that was was uh, part of it. The heel, injury. the heel injury. But he was mostly missing. He was as much missing spring as because he got in trouble, mm-hmm. and and so. You know, hadn't heard anything on him in a while, and so he was asked about uh, Garmin Randolph today, and Aranda said that he remains suspended. There is a hope that, you know, he will return to the team, but it obviously sounds as though, you know, he's got to be on the up and up, and he's got to do what he's being asked to do, and if he does so, then things should be okay, but, you know, still a bit of a to-be-determined, it sounded like, although leaning towards he'll be okay in the long run, but, you know, got to take care of some business first. So yeah. there was an update on Garmin Randolph. I think there's a process there, right, yeah. that they're still trying to navigate. And unfortunately, uh, that's kept Garmin off the field all spring, like you mentioned. And so that also, I think, is a huge reason why Baylor felt like they had to address the jack position in the transfer portal. And that was something, you know, as we moved through spring and the less, you know, to the point where we didn't see Garmin at all, it became very clear they needed to address that position just in case. And and that's why they brought in Byron Vaughns. And that's, you know, I know we're going to get to him in a second because Dave Randa mentioned him specifically. Um, but Vaughns was a huge pickup for them because of this suspension. Uh, now we got to figure some things out. You know, is he going to be back on this team in the summer and in the fall? I guess it's still to be determined. Like you said, though, I feel pretty good about that at this moment, um, especially just because Dave Randa mentioned that the roster is full. Mentioned, he just mentioned a couple things that I think hinted at the fact that he'll probably be back um, for this season and if you have Garmin Randolph and Byron Vaughns at your jack position um, it's probably the most loaded jack position they've had under Dave Aranda. Well you mentioned Byron Vaughns there. Um, I'll have an article kind of recapping a lot of this and discussing some of it for uh, you know those who are just kind of dipping in and out maybe on this uh, podcast as we're doing it live on the YouTube channel uh but we'll have some more just kind of rounding up everything that was said but hitting on some of the major points here and one of them was byron vaughn's because he's one of the newcomers i did ask aranda you know uh because he had mentioned that they're having guys arrive on campus about 15 guys that was another thing that he mentioned they have about 15 guys that are arriving this week and i asked him you know is it just a mix and he's like yeah it's a mix of you know the incoming transfer portal guys and also the remaining freshmen. So what are we looking at there? Who all is not on campus yet? I mean, do you have any – I don't want to make you do research on the fly here, but I'm trying to think just off the top of my head earlier who all that really entails. Yeah, so, I mean, I can go through them. It's all the ones who didn't early enroll. So you're looking at Brendan Bett, 
DJ Coleman, DK Kalu, Corey Kelly, Dawson Pendergrass, Isaiah Robinson, Trent Thomas, Sean Tompkins, LeVar Thornton, Tayshawn Wilson, Jaron Woods, which gets you to 11. Um, I would assume that Trayvon Maya and um, Byron Vaughn's, well, those two would be locked in Vaughn's and Maya because right now AJ Carter hasn't been, because Dave Randa mentioned it, he's the third one that hasn't been, I guess, gotten his financial aid finished yet. Gotcha. Um, which is basically. I know people like to say, okay, when's this guy signing? For transfers, it all comes down to the financial aid. Um, and so they already have that done with the other two, but uh, Carter obviously was the last one to commit. So his, I don't think, has quite happened yet. So I would be surprised if he's included in that group, although he should be arriving you know, this summer very shortly. Um, but yeah, I think that's the group that we're looking at. He said 15, right? Yeah. Um, but he also said walk-ons too. So I think yeah, there might be a walk-on or two in that group as well. Yep, so... Uh, that's a good significant portion of your freshman class and a couple of obviously impact transfers that you're expecting to, well, be impactful uh, pretty much right away. So those guys will all be joining the fold, those who didn't enroll early and, and those who are the latest transfer portal guys. Uh, they'll be arriving this weekend, so that'll be uh, fun to get them onboarded and just another step in the process as far as the summertime and, you know, winding the semester down goes, start to really ramp up the football side of things in so many ways as far as uh, the getting acclimated process goes. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's exciting to hear as well. And Byron Vaughn's one of those new guys, and that's uh, part of also what he touched on. Uh, you've mentioned it a couple times now, but he was asked, uh, I forget, how did he get into Was it about the safeties or was that another topic? I think or was he, he asked just about Vaughn's directly from John Warner, I guess. Bonds, okay, yeah. yeah. So your thoughts on, on what he had to say about Byron Vaughn's, and then we'll touch on the, the safeties part of this. Right. So the first thing he mentioned specifically was the pass rushing element uh, that he brings to the table. And so I think when you look at Vaughn's tape and you see some of the things that he did really well, exclusively it was getting after the quarterback, creating QB hurries, and then also making plays, which includes sacks, tackles for loss, forcing turnovers. So big-time playmaker, and he specifically actually mentioned the scheme and the fact that if you can have a jack that can actually win one-on-one battles you're able to slide the protection and actually get other guys in one-on-one matchups and I think that's really key for this team because last year they didn't have that they really did not do a good job at the star position or the jack position at creating uh, one-on-one matchups because they weren't elite pass rushers so I think adding Byron Vaughn's another year with Garmin Randolph I think they're getting closer and closer to where they want to be at that position but yeah I mean it felt like he was super excited about Byron Vaughn's and what he can bring to the table I know I'm excited about it they need to be better at pass rushing and so I think he can bring that to the table yeah, former Texas Longhorn, uh, former Utah State Aggie, uh, now a Baylor Bear and making his way back to Texas, Byron Vaughn. So, uh, waiting for him to uh, you know get on to uh, you know the the treadmill of you know getting into the routines and practices and weight rooms and all of that, and uh, you know starting to get conditioning right and and do all those things. But man, it'll be good to have him on campus and, and taking part and bringing some of that edge rush because they do need some of that. Uh, and that was one of the things that you left spring with feeling like, all right, what needs to be addressed? All right, that area needs to be addressed, and they addressed that pretty quickly. Another area that they, you know, have addressed and haven't addressed, and it's I guess it's kind of like a where are they at with this particular group? 
I mean, we've seen them attack corner in the portal and grab a couple of guys. Uh, but safety has been a bit more puzzling. When you look at the transfer portal editions, of which there are more than 10 at this point, I mean, pretty much every position has been hit up. I mean, every position has been, you know, blessed with at least one addition. But safety is one where they're pretty young and inexperienced, and they're not super deep either, and it's just a, a bit of a question mark. Uh, you know, they're holding up that back end. I mean, Matt Pallage back as D.C. and also as safety's coach. You feel good about the job he's done before. But, you know, but how about the guys in the room? And that was something else that Aranda talked about. What did you take away from his comments on the safety position and, and how they've addressed or not addressed that group? Yeah, it was a fascinating response because it's been a position that I think everyone's looked at and been like, okay, so why do they feel so confident in this group? Because uh, they lost JT Woods after the 2021 season and it made you go, okay, let's see how they make up for that. And then last year they had some injuries. They had older guys who, in my opinion, underachieved. Uh, when you look at Devin Neal, Christian Morgan, Al Walcott, that group just never really came together. And now you go into this season, you've lost all those guys, but now you just have a bunch of young guys. And so for them to not attack the transfer portal has to signify that they have a lot of confidence in that group. And according to Dave Aranda, that's basically where they were at. They looked at the transfer portal and decided that they'd rather develop the guys in the room. They like the culture that they have there. They like the talent and athletic profiles that they have at the safety position. And the two names he mentioned right off the top were Devin Lemire, who did not compete in spring football because of uh, an injury he sustained late in the year last season. Um, and then Devin Bobby, who stepped into more of a leadership role with Lemire out. Um, those two guys appear to be the front runners to be your starters. I think that's become pretty evident uh, that they'll be the starters at boundary and field safety going into the 2023 season. And then he mentioned Corey Gordon as a guy who uh, very talented, all the athletic potential in the world. And he seems kind of like the wild card and a guy who will play a lot, uh, but maybe not be the starter over those top two guys. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting to hear him answer the question. Interesting to finally hear kind of who the starters are in that group and how he feels about them and I came away much more confident than I was honestly going in yeah I mean he knows that position and that side of the ball pretty well so if he's saying that he's confident in moving forward with those guys then I mean who am I or anybody else really uh to to try and check him on that and say no uh so yeah I mean if they feel good about it then then I feel good about it and you know they clearly you know, one thing about the transfer portal questions, though, is like, hey, why didn't you do this? And I was not waiting for him to answer a certain type of way, but I almost want to jump up and be like, you do realize, like, you, it's not a vending machine. Like, you don't just get what you want. You know, you could want a safety, but you can look at the portal and not either see the type of guy that you're looking for or the guys that you like to have choose to go somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of it, too, is, like, you can't just – as fun as the transfer portal is, it's not, you know, popping a couple quarters and then just pushing whatever button you're like, like, I'd like a premier safety. Boom. Here you go. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, maybe there's some of that because I think if there was a premier guy, they could get him. They would have got him. But at the same time, I do think that that wasn't just, you know, uh, being kind for the sake of it. No. Uh, that was actually having legit confidence in the guys they have. And so it'll be interesting to see how they develop and exciting to see, you know, what they're capable of doing. But uh, I'd imagine that will be one of those areas that is circled by a lot of folks, including us, and that we'll revisit depending on how next season goes because if safety is an issue um, with the changes that have been made, that'll be one where you go like, 
thought you said that you felt pretty good about right. it. So we'll see. We'll see ultimately. But, you know, he did address that. So Blake Shapin's your starting quarterback. Garmin Randolph remains suspended. But, you know, there's a chance to come back. Um, he likes what they have. It's safety. Um there's 15 players that will be arriving here in the next week or so, or I guess this weekend, uh, including transfer, uh, you know, the transfers that haven't arrived already, also the freshmen that haven't arrived already, and also some walk-ons. And I think that was kind of a, a, a pretty good summary. What else was there from Dave Aranda that you took away? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I feel like it's important. Dave Aranda said the roster is full. So as far as transfer talk goes, as far as looking at, you know, other potential guys, it does not appear that Baylor has any availability for that, which I've talked about multiple times. They were looking to take um, three, this part of the transfer portal cycle. They got all three of them with the three guys they landed. And now, uh, according to Dave Rand, at least, the roster is full. So that should uh, settle any conversations about the transfer portal unless a spot opens up from somewhere. Well, and again, what else are they going to do at this point? Like, who's left? You know, right. I mean, it's it's they've added so many guys that, you know, you, you wonder, like, what else could they possibly do? And I understand they could add a safety. They could, you know, do this or that. But, you know, everybody else has already been picking through that thing as well. So it's not yeah. as though it's fully stocked as it was, you know, three or four months ago. But I also will say this, to me, also means some of the guys that maybe weren't on the roster in the spring might be coming back, and then also walk-ons. Because there still are a couple spots unaccounted for, uh, at least officially unaccounted for. Um, But yeah, so that'll be something to keep an eye on, too, as we progress into the summer, what guys are back on the roster in the fall. Um, But I I mean, if you're on the premium side of things, you should kind of know the guys that I'm talking about. And then the walk-on portion of it, um, that's just going to be something to watch. You know, you can look at some of the guys like maybe an RJ Martinez or maybe, you know, some of the other guys that could get on scholarship uh, after being walk-ons. But there are a couple scholarships technically unaccounted for. But again, according to Dave Aranda, they're full. Yeah, and, you know, it it makes sense that they are because of how active they have been. I mean, looking at it here, you've got uh, Johnny Carter and Trevin Maya and Byron Vaughns. And, well, I mean, I just I just wish there was just a straight-up list that on was what? kind of clean. On just the incoming guys, everything's, like, stunted on, on what I'm looking. It's like a mixture of uh, incoming, outgoing as far as the transfers in, mm-hmm. I was just trying to list those all off straight and uh, the it's list I had in front three. of me. Yeah. Now I'm talking about the entire semester. There's like 14 oh, yeah. guys. Oh, including the spring. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm they talking about all the transfers they brought in this <laughs> offseason. All right, here we go. Transfers <laughs> in. Johnny Carter, Trevin Maya, Byron Vaughns, Sawyer Robertson, Mike Smith, Jake Roberts, Isaiah Dunson, Clark Barrington, Dominic Richardson, Campbell Barrington, Keetron Jackson. So that's... I didn't even mention Jack Stone, who's a walk-on. R.J. Martinez, who's a walk-on as well. Uh, but that's, what, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 guys, including Stone and Martinez. Yep. So 13 new faces, and that's not counting the high school class, uh, you know, that they're bringing in as well. Uh, that's, you know, some onboarded already and some coming up this weekend, as we mentioned. But that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot of guys. Yeah. That's Dave Randa correcting his mistakes from 2022, which he's been very open about. I mean, going in and really attacking the portal for guys who can impact the program. And I think, you know, going into 2022, he said, you know, he wanted to stick with the guys that he had on the roster, wanted to continue to develop them. But at the end of the day, those guys got to be ready to perform. And they weren't. 
uh, at times last year. They were inconsistent. So going into this year, I think he's filled a lot of the holes. Pretty, I, I would say pretty much all the holes that they need to fill going into the 2023 season. And I think you got to be feeling good about kind of their outlook um, just because of the talent that they've brought in, the positions they've addressed, how much older they got through the transfer portal. Uh, it's very, very encouraging, I would say. So was there any position that they did not grab somebody? Safety. So Carter will be a corner. Carter Johnny will be a, corner, a corner. Johnny Carter sorry. and Isaiah Dunson both were recruited at cornerback. Now, is there a chance that maybe one could move for the fall? Maybe, but yeah. as of right now, they recruited them for cornerback, and I believe that is the only position. Yeah, tight end, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, defensive line, Jack now um, linebacker. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and Mike Smith was yep. linebacker. Yeah, everywhere except safety. Even the kicker. Even the kicker. Even yeah. the kicker. Walk-on kicker. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what's uh, all been added since the freezing cold temperatures in Fort Worth that uh, brought the season to a close at the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, but even then, Dominic Richardson was that day. He was the he, before the game, a few hours before the game, he was announced. That seems like forever ago at yeah. this point, doesn't it? But, yeah, he kind of got the ball rolling, and uh, they've added steadily ever since then. Uh, Clark Barrington was also that same day, if I remember correctly. They were both like that that same Armed Forces Bowl day. And Campbell was before Clark, so yeah. So they actually got started before them. But yeah, I mean, going back, that's about six months now. Uh, they've added nearly two guys a month uh, ever since then, and just for the sake of revisiting it, because I don't think we'll probably revisit it anymore after this, really. But the guys going out. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just mentioned that perhaps some of the players who you know weren't on the spring roster uh, could potentially return, but, but not in the transfer portal. Yeah. None of the guys that I'm talking about entered the portal. Yeah, these guys were all in the portal and have already all found destinations. But just to give you an idea of how much turnover there has been, you know, both directions, and also to tell you like how much time has flown by, and this seems like these guys were all on the roster about three years ago, and they were on the roster you know a few months ago, but. Uh, you're looking at Jalen Ellis, uh, who is headed to Colorado. Noah Rauschenberg going to North Texas. Squirrel Williams to La Tech. Micah Mazuka to uh, Florida. Did he stick there? Or did he leave Florida? I think he's off their roster. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. rumors. Thought I saw mm-hmm. that too. Uh, Al Walcott to Arkansas. Seth Jones to USF. Lorando Johnson to Arkansas. Josh Fleeks to Nebraska. Devin Neal to Louisville, and Kyron Drones to Virginia Tech. So. Those are all the guys, um, and you think about just some of those names that we've talked about so many times are guys who were just impactful players last year that are no longer on the roster. So, yeah, uh, starting to get to the end of the semester and just sort of revisiting all that we've seen as, as it settles down a little bit, and uh, that's been a lot of activity going both directions. So there you have it. Uh, Dave Aranda talking with the media today, and I don't know about you, but I've seen quite the mixed reaction to the Blake Shapin news. I mean, what have you generally seen? I I know that uh, I've, you know, addressed sort of the overly negative uh, folks when it comes to their comments on Blake Shape, and like I just wish that some some of them would have to actually stand next to him and say that to his face. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Um, but you know, I understand too. That's also just message boards, and that's fandom, and that's the way that it works. But you know, uh, he is going to be the guy. So I, I you know, hopefully 
everybody will rally around him and give him a shot, just like Dave Aranda's giving him another shot. And best believe, this will probably be his last shot. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt over and over again. But what has been sort of the, the reaction that you've seen thus far since that announcement was made? So I think there's three camps. There's the camp of Blake Shapin is not very good, really wanting someone to replace him, really wanting someone with a higher ceiling who's more talented. There's that camp. Then there's the... Trust Dave Randa, trust Jeff Grimes, trust Sean Bell to make the right decision based on what they've seen, even though you have concerns about Shapin. And then there's the Blake Shapin was dealt a really bad hand last year. He's actually the quarterback that everyone saw in the Big 12 title game, and he's going to be you know, a top four quarterback in the Big 12 next year. I think those are the three camps that I, I kind of look at. It's like really, really positive really, really negative, or trust the staff, be in the middle, understand that there were things that Chapin did bad last year, but also understand that he wasn't dealt the same hand as the team in 2021 was dealt with an amazing running attack and a great defense. So I, I would consider, I would say that most people should be in that middle group, and I think most people are, but there are some people who are very vocal on the other sides of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm right there in the middle. Like, let's see what he's got. I, I don't think last year is, is the... You know, the final story written about him. Um, and I think that he's, you know, gone out there and re-earned that starting job. And he's the best option they have right now. And you may not love it, but you better learn to like it a little bit because that's going to be what you see to start things off with. And, you know, you you would think that everybody would hope, regardless of how you feel about him starting to begin with, that, uh, you know, that's the guy that everybody's going to pull for and hope you know, does really well and shows some flashes of the flashes we saw a couple of years ago. But, you know, it's also understandable that after a entire season of frustration last year, that there's people that are kind of dreading, like, oh, we're running it back and, you know, feel like the offense isn't going to be that much better. But, man, if it's not, then that will be the story. I don't think it'll be Blake Shapin that'll be the story. I think it would be that the offense isn't any better as a whole, given they've addressed every single position on the, the team. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there's there's pressure to go around, but uh, I like that they're giving him a shot. I'm I'm open-minded about it, and I just don't feel that Sawyer Robertson's ready for it just yet. I, I just don't feel like, you know, he. it's just the best thing to do is just go throw him straight in there. And, um, you know, if you're going to do that, why not at least let it be known that, like, Shapin's not the guy, and then you give the reins to Sawyer Robertson, and then, like, there's no question about it. But I feel like if you were to have done that, Unless he's just so far and away better. Like, if he's just better, okay, Sawyer Robertson should be the guy. But if it's 1A, 1B, and one guy's got a ton of experience and the other guy has very little in comparison, and he's kind of the guy you're sort of setting up to be your future guy as well, then, you know, I think that uh, it makes sense the way that they're doing it. I mean, we were out at practice a lot this spring, and there was still a long way to go for Sawyer Robertson as far as adjusting to the offense. And so... I just don't think he was ready to truly win the job this spring. And, you know, maybe in the fall, again, if Blake Shapin struggles, they're going to make a move to Sora Robertson. This isn't going to be a situation where they just continue to throw Blake Shapin out there if they're losing football games. Like, I just, I really don't see that being something that happens. But I do think they need to see more growth from Sora Robertson while also him continuing to push Blake Shapin to get better because Blake needs to continue to uh, improve and excel as well. You can't just get comfortable now that you're named the starter, which I don't believe will happen. I think that if when they had that talk with him, they had to be like, look, dude, like this is your shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the, the last shot probably yeah. for you. And so like, 
here's the keys. It's your ride until you wreck it or you you drive it safely back home into the garage at the end of the season, like whichever, but the keys are in your hand now. So I, I feel like it's less about Sawyer. It's more about Blake, and he'll be the one that dictates what happens with Sawyer ultimately. You know, hopefully it's all in his hands because – you know, there's injuries and things like that, but uh, very interesting. So that's now taking shape. And of course, uh, on the recruiting side of things, uh, well, the quarterback position, a pretty big addition last week, Nate Bennett from Oaks Christian High School out in Westlake Village, California. He's a Malibu guy. A very interesting story. Uh, he's a transplant. He's not a Malibu original, and he himself can't really tell you how he ended up there in the first place, as he mentioned on our radio interview the other day. But Grayson, it's starting to take shape now. You've got Shapin, you've got Sawyer Robertson, you've got R.J. Martinez as well. Um, but after a lot of, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen with the quarterback position in the 2024 class? And, man, they're striking out on guys. And, oh, my gosh, and a little bit of a panic starting to form. Sean Bell can't find a, you know, like, what are we going to do about quarterback? They've got their quarterback. It's pretty big news. Nate Bennett pulls the trigger and pledges to the Bears. He's a legacy, and uh, he is now the newest member of the 2024 class. So your thoughts on finding their QB for 24? Yeah, and if you want to talk about a prospect that is people are very split on, Nate Bennett is definitely (laughs) one of those guys. I mean, just... And it's crazy because it's like Baylor fans really have been wanting a, a legacy to commit to Baylor. Well, you got one. Still, people can't you know find you know the the happiness from that. And oh, we we haven't been able to land a quarterback in two years, and then you land one, and still like it's it's not good enough. And everybody's just you know they have these opinions on it. But at the end of the day, Sean Bell went out to all these different schools to go personally watch all these quarterback recruits that they were looking at. Um, They missed out on a couple guys. Their last offer was February 4th. And then he took this entire time to go through this evaluation process and really figure out who is the guy we want to offer for this class. And the fact of the matter is the guys that they were looking at, pretty much all of them, in my opinion, would have committed on the spot. So this just came down to finding the one that fit the culture, that fit what they were looking for at the position, that could make the throws necessary for this offense, and it was Nate Bennett. This quarterback out of Oaks Christian, his parents went to Baylor. Uh, He had offers from Old Dominion, San Jose State, Hawaii, Utah State, Western Michigan. Um, And the reason I think a lot of people are so torn on him is because of his stats from this past season. So he threw for a little over 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Um, The stats aren't huge, but at the end of the day, if you go look at kind of their depth chart and what happened this year, they were starting three quarterbacks for parts of the season, and big parts of the season were like end of games. They were bringing guys in or giving guys, you know, random possessions. And so it takes away from your stats, your overall stats, that is. Um, But the year before, during his sophomore year, before he transferred to Oaks Christian, he threw for nearly 3,000 yards, 41 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, completed 60% of his passes. So he was really, really good his sophomore year, had a bad situation his junior year, and now going forward into his senior year, he's going to be the uncle question starter and I'm expecting him to have a really really good year and I think he'll change a lot of people's opinions on him by uh, the end of the season and ultimately he's a good take he's a transfer who's going to be locked into the program he's not going anywhere he loves Baylor and so I think I I think he's a a very nice pickup for where Baylor is at with their depth chart currently yeah I mean I really enjoyed talking to him the other day on the uh, radio show he was easy to uh 
you know, listen to and just uh, root for uh, after hearing what he had to say and just sort of his journey and how much it meant to him to get that Baylor offer and then jump on it. And I agree with you that he's not somebody that you worry about there being an Austin Nova side situation or, or something along those lines um, or a Zach Pyron type of a situation. It feels like they've got their guy, they're going to have their guy, and uh, that addresses a, a big question for 2024. And uh, color me some you know, surprise, shocked, whatever that uh, people are split on the the, the addition, but I, I think he uh, is going to be a great teammate and uh, hopefully a pretty good player as well. But uh, they needed a quarterback in this class, and they found their guy. So uh, a big addition there for uh, Dave Aranda, Sean Bell, uh, Jeff Grimes, as you mentioned. And uh, now looking at, uh, what, five commits for the 2024 class with Nate Bennett joining Colton Siraki, Brock Jackson, Brandon Booker, and Jaden Porter. Uh, so Porter at Athlete, wide receiver, Soraki, the O-lineman, and then a couple of defenders, and Booker and Jackson, both, uh, well, I guess uh, Jackson more of an edge guy, but uh, Booker more of a linebacker the way they're listed. But, yeah, that's uh, that's your class right now for 2024. So number five is in, and it's at QB with Nate Bennett. All right, uh, what else? Um, yeah, and just something to mention here, Bennett, Soraki, and Porter are all scheduled to early enroll. Bennett's still working on that, so we'll see how yeah. it all plays out. I know he mentioned that on the radio show as well. Um, but yeah, I, it's a good start to the class. I think they've kind of addressed both sides of the ball a little bit. They've gone out and addressed some positions of need. Now, as far as what to look forward to, uh, we're getting close to official visit time. And middle of June and then end of June, they're going to have official visits scheduled. So I believe that's, what, the 16th and the 23rd are uh, the dates, uh, but it's over weekends, of course. And then with the new rule being in place where you can take as many official visits as you want, I think you're going to see some guys take during the week official visits or just really random dates of official visits going forward. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, But still a lot of work to do for Baylor in this class. They probably need... You know, if you go according to what we've seen over the last few years, they probably are going to take like, I don't know, 14 to 15 more guys probably in this class, maybe a little bit less than that if it's smaller. But at the end of the day, you're thinking right around that 20 number, and they're only at five right now. Um, Good news is Baylor did most of their work last year during the months of June and July. Uh, where they picked up a ton of commitments. So I could see that definitely happening again over the next couple months. All right, so there is a few notes from uh, the last few days and uh, just Dave Aranda and uh, what's been going on with football as he updated us on their big decision and just a few other things as well. Um, did I miss the mailbag? We we do we have any mail no, questions no this, mailbag week? Okay. this week? Okay, so yeah. I'm just just making sure because on on time that. Uh, can play around with it how we mm-hmm. want to here and not have to worry about diving into the mailbag with like 10 minutes to go. So uh, anything else you want to touch on as far as recruiting goes uh, or anything on that front before we uh, take a look at some spring sports stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing right now obviously is kind of addressing the positions of need, um, which wide receiver is one of those positions. Linebacker is a big one. They're going to probably take one more offensive lineman, so not a lot of room there. Uh, but I do think the defensive line still has some room for growth, cornerback, safety. So still a lot of positions out there that need to be addressed in this class. Uh, there are some names emerging, but I think as we get closer to the official visits, we'll know um, a little bit more. I would also say just quick note on 
you know, Nate Bennett committing. Um, I also think going into the 2025 class, Baylor is in a much better position to land a quarterback in the state of Texas. Uh, Like if you look around, I know that's been a concern for a lot of people, but guys like Keldon Ryan, uh, Adam Scoble, um, Ty Hawkins, Demetrius Brisbane, those are four names that I think Baylor's in a great position for. Um, And I think ultimately they'll probably land one of those guys. And all four of those guys are borderline four-star prospects or higher than that. Um, So again, I think Baylor will get back to recruiting the state of Texas at the quarterback position, but I don't think there were a bunch they fell in love with with the 2024 class quite to the level of the 2025 class. So pay attention to that uh, going forward. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to follow how they close throughout uh, the month of June, leaning into these official visits. But yeah, nothing really in particular. The fact that the roster is full is a big nugget because that means no more transfer portal, and it allows them time to just focus on these camps and the official visits throughout the month of June. I'll tell you something that was just really weird that I noticed was I was looking at uh, the class ranking, and they only have five guys right now. So, I mean, that alone, when others have seven, eight, nine, ten, they're going to be typically higher than you unless you're four or five or like four stars and five-star guys. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that that overrides the, the lesser amount. But I was sitting here looking at the rankings, and it's like, wait a second, something's weird. Well, they've got the new schools listed, but no OU in Texas. And I was like, well, that's a mistake. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, the 24 class. Like, yeah, those guys aren't going to play OU in Texas. Yeah. That's wild. That is it just weird. dawned on me <laughs> that you look at the recruiting rankings now and there's no OU Texas, but the four schools are we're all sitting up there now. And so it took me a second to, to realize why that was. But, yeah, this is the first class that will not – play OU in Texas and vice versa and that will play uh you know the four new schools uh coming in so interesting to see that and uh just taking a look at it uh I mean Baylor's kind of right there in the middle of a 14 team league right now as far as uh the 2024 class goes you've got Tech TCU this is from the on three uh composite but uh Tech TCU uh Oklahoma State Cincinnati UCF K-State And then at number seven, you've got Baylor, followed by KU, Iowa State, West Virginia, BYU, and Houston. Houston, just one commit in this 2024 class right now. Um, And then, you know, since he's got like 10, that's part of why they're up there at number four already is they have the most of anybody. And uh, and everybody else is kind of four, five, six, seven-ish. But, yeah, I mean, TCU at number two with just four commits, but – They've got a, a big four-star, so that helps offset that. But I, anyways, I was just kind of looking at that, and when I was looking, I was like, oh, wait a second, where's where's the Longhorns and Sooners and, mm-hmm. and all that? So what kind of expectations do you have for the new schools coming in and where Baylor fits? Like, do you see any of those four schools leapfrogging them in the recruiting rankings on a regular basis? Is that something people should be bracing for? Or, like, where are they kind of situated now? Because I do feel like they're kind of in a fuzzy spot where – and it kind of felt like they were going to be in that upper tier, not like OU Texas every year, but, mm-hmm. you know, basically where TCU is or Texas Tech is. Um, and we know why that is. TCU coming off the year that they just had, it makes tons of sense. Tech, we know that there's just tons and tons of momentum um, that they're playing off of right now. Uh, and and they, you know, have a staff that's known for recruiting pretty well. Uh, K-State, 
Uh, don't really, I mean, they've got five guys, basically have the same class as Baylor in so many ways. But just sort of what is your feel around the Big 12 and the way it's shaping up recruiting-wise? Yeah, I mean, I still feel like Baylor's going to be in that top group. Um, now, I do think going forward, at least in the Big 12, that is, I think we're going to see a lot of kind of mix match, mix and matching with the top, I'd say, like six schools where some years a group's going to have a really good year and they might be number one in the conference, such as, like, what if Tech has a great year this year? Maybe they get the top class in the conference next year. Um, but I think pretty much historically, the way that I've looked at it, it seems like TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State are pretty consistently going to be in that top, you know, top five-ish group. Schools like Texas Tech is kind of creeping up there because they have a good recruiting staff and, you know, there's excitement there. K-State's recruiting at a much higher level. Um, but I do think in general, kind of the wild card maybe, or the couple wild cards are Houston, if they're really able to leapfrog, let's say they leapfrog um, those other schools in Texas, like if they leapfrog Baylor, if they leapfrog uh, Texas Tech, that would have to come down to them just, you know, having success on the field in my eyes. But the other school is UCF. I'm intrigued by them um, a little bit. Uh, I just, if they can kind of tap into winning a few recruiting battles in the state of Florida over, you know, the SEC schools, if they can land some of those hidden gems, um, they could find themselves closer to the top of the group as well. But I think in general, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, maybe Texas Tech are in general the ones that I feel like are going to be in that top group more often than not. Yeah, just that's something we haven't really talked a whole lot about is the new Big 12 and what that looks like. And uh, that just reminded me, too, that was another thing that Aranda talked about a little bit was NIL and uh, just sort of where they are. And it sounds very much like something he's still trying to figure out and they're still trying to figure out and just the whole situation. Not that they're, like, just wandering in the dark or anything like that, but I think he's trying to find that proper balance of, you know, incentive and also expectations and culture and how that all fits together and I'm not sure that they exactly know just yet exactly how that's always going to continue to work but uh, he did address it and he did kind of talk about it a bit and um, it was just interesting to hear his thoughts even though it still sounds as though they're like I said still figuring some things out in that regard uh, but uh, that's it's a lot of football that uh, we were able to talk about today and glad to do so uh, because we're not going to probably have a ton of news coming out for the next few weeks as far as like what we got today um, and uh Thankfully, we do have media days right around the corner here in just a few weeks. So that'll be a, a ton of stuff to look forward to. But elsewhere, there is other things going on, Grayson. And just briefly touching on it, saw some uh, seasons come to a close, but you got men's golf is still in action. They're in the NCAA championships. They uh, survived in advance. Track and field uh, sent, you know, 31 overall selections into the uh, Western preliminaries for the NCAA Outdoor Championship. So that is ongoing as well. Uh, but that's it. I mean, that's that's all she wrote as far as active, you know, teams right now. Um, I guess you'd have tennis individuals uh, mm-hmm. still hanging on, but that'll wrap up here shortly as well. Uh, however, we did see go to the wayside softball. Uh, knocked out of the NCAA tournament uh, three games in to the Salt Lake City Regional. Lost a couple times to Ole Miss. Did sandwich a win uh, there in the middle against Southern Illinois, but uh, lost to Ole Miss in game one, beat Southern Illinois, lost to Ole Miss, and was eliminated. So that was the end of the road for Glenn Moore and company. Uh, but a great season for them. They were top 25 pretty much throughout, and they've got 
on paper, everybody except for uh, Josie Bauer expected to return. So that should make for a, a pretty exciting ramping up of, of you know expectations for the team next year. And uh, hopefully they can stay healthy because that was what they ran into here at the end as much as anything was – you know, a, a pitching staff that had been depleted and, uh, you know, just injuries had added up. So you're not out there with Dariana Orm and, you know, who you would expect to be out there throwing a lot for you, um, you know, among others. So that uh, that definitely played into things. But, yeah, they're, they're set up really well. Uh, but the end of the road uh, did come for them in uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah, and you could kind of see this happening with their loss to Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. It just seemed like they kind of – And it's tough to say this because they swept Texas right before that, but it felt like all their momentum from that Texas game just got zapped in the Iowa State game. Then they show up at the regional, lose 3-0. They have to come back against Southern Illinois. They didn't exactly play great softball in that game either, and then they lost 9-2 to Ole Miss. So really a tough ending to the season for them. Um, I was impressed with what they did all year, but it just felt like The inconsistencies were just so weird for this team. They lost to so many teams outside the top 50 this season, and they were one of the worst teams against teams outside the top 50 in the entire top 25, if not the worst against those type of teams. So that'll be something they need to correct, just staying focused on each game. Um, It's a grind. But you got to be able to do it, and that's what makes you know a school like Oklahoma so crazy impressive with the streak that they're on. Yeah, no doubt. So softball will, I would imagine, be a top twenty-five team entering next year. Definitely, um, without you know, unless there's some unforeseen mass exodus. But that's again, that would be totally unforeseen. So they're shaping up pretty well, although uh, a short stay in the postseason. Also, women's golf uh, knocked out of the postseason. They finished seventeenth at the NCAA championships. Um, and barely missed out on the cut line, but they missed out on it, and that was all she wrote for uh, women's golf, who uh, finishes as a top 25 team as well. And then baseball uh, comes to a close, mercifully, yeah. um, in so many ways, because, man, it really became a, a tough sledding uh, to, you know, see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, they had, you know, a couple good moments here and there, but, man, really taking a lot of losses and just dealing with injuries and, uh, just a tough first year for Mitch Thompson in baseball. So uh, they wrapped up uh, their final weekend and uh, were able to get a, a weekend sweep. Uh, but, yeah, that was that was a tough season for, for that program. And I would imagine it's going to be a very busy offseason trying to retool and reconfigure and uh, remix this thing as best they can to try and get a better showing next season. A four-game winning streak is how they ended the season. Streak, yeah. So that's nice to end the year like that. But yeah, twenty and thirty-five, six and eighteen in the Big Twelve, missing the Big Twelve tournament. Um, not great. Not a great start. And I, I think Mitch was very honest about kind of what happened this year and the fact that. You know, at certain spots, they just weren't ready. You know, depth-wise and talent-wise, they weren't quite there yet. And I think going forward, they're going to recruit a lot better. They're going to hit the transfer portal very aggressively, I would think, um, to try to reshape this roster. Because I do believe that Mitch Thompson, this entire staff, believes that this team is going to be far better next year. Like, leaps and bounds better. That's the sense that I get. And they're going to need to be if they want to have any hope at either making an NCAA tournament or making a run in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be the expectation is they will be improved next year, uh, and, and dramatically so. But, I mean, there were some good things along the way, you know, some tough fights and things like that, but just uh, just not nearly enough uh, for what they were trying to, to accomplish. And 
Um, so they bow out, and that leaves us, as I mentioned, there, there at the top with just a, a couple of programs that are still alive and still competing at this point with men's golf, track and field, and then you've got um, – tennis uh individuals but uh, outside of that it is uh all wrapped up for the semester so uh we'll wrap it up here because i think we've touched on uh, all of the the big news and notes uh but the biggest of course the starting quarterback announcement blake shapin the guy entering the 2023 season no surprise there but it is now official and so grayson we have that and i've already seen the threads on the board and uh you know at some point i'd imagine i'll probably dive into some of those um i did see the response of uh just commenting on the headline itself of oh i'm sure everybody will be totally reasonable about this decision (laughs) it's like yep we know that that was tongue-in-cheek because there will be some some posts that's Mm -hmm. for sure uh, both sides of the aisle as far as Blake Shapin being the starting quarterback. But congrats to him, and, you know, that's a big step moving forward in the next year. So anything before we head out here for this week? No, just be sure if you want to read a lot of those articles, a lot of the content on this decision by Dave Rand and the staff, we have it all on the premium side of things. Um, so be sure to check that out. And then, of course, 365 Sports, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, if you want more of your college football news with uh, Craig, Paul, and Smokey. Yes, uh, thank you, uh, and Garrett as well, along for the ride. But, yes, uh, weekdays 3 to 6, although uh, just today and tomorrow. And then we're taking a little bit of a of a break, uh, which will be very nice. And, uh, you know, that's what people do around this time of year, especially in our profession, <laughs> because it's very much, a, what, August or July to, to like, June, July to May, really the, the hot months. And so these, these next couple months, we got to get in vacation time where we can before it all ramps back up again. But, yeah, we'll be on the air today, Tuesday, and, uh, and then Wednesday as well, and then taking a couple of days off. But we'll be talking about all of the things mentioned here and much more across college football, the Cowboys and all that. So uh, tune in if you do get the chance to. We do appreciate that. And if you do, uh, on the YouTube side of things or even with this channel, please hit subscribe. Please hit the like button as well to show your support. And that's all we ask as we come to you free on Tuesdays here on the YouTube channel with uh, this podcast. Thanks to the the boys behind the scenes, Jack, Graham, and Garrett. And for Grayson Grunhafer, I'm Craig Smoke. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching. And spread the word. We'll talk to you next week. It's been the BearCast on Sikkim365.com.